You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And uh, today is our first Sunday of Advent. That's pretty awesome. Uh, for those of you, that was almost like an applaud starter. That was fun. Uh, so um, for those of you that aren't familiar with what Advent is, this is the time when we celebrate the coming, the anticipation of the birth of Jesus, which is what we celebrate on Christmas, right? Um, now, we understand that Jesus has actually already been born into the world, right? That's already happened. So the question is, why do we do this? Why do we celebrate the anticipation of the coming of Christ when it's already happened? And I think the answer is because that gives glory and honor to God when we remember what he has already done for us. So we reflect on the past, we reflect on what already is, what has already happened to celebrate, to love God, to honor him, right? And when we remember these truths, when we reflect on them, that's when they really take hold in our hearts. That's when they really become real to me and you, right? Like it happened, I get that, but like that's when we feel it. That's when we know it. And then that feeling and that knowing turns into action, right? And so we here at New Hope are are very intentional these days. We really want to make sure that when you come here, you don't just learn something, but that you also feel something. And we want to make sure that you don't just come here and feel something, but you leave here knowing something. And that when you leave here knowing and feeling something, that you don't just go out into this world and do nothing with it. That's why we always have an application. And what you're going to find here is that application is always going to be go and make disciples because that's what the Bible's about. Go and tell everybody about the good news of Jesus. Whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, it's going to come back down to that. And that's why we reflect on these truths. And so this Christmas season, we've got this new series called Why Christmas? And we're going to be asking the question, why, a lot. Why about every little detail of Christmas? Because we want to dig in there and find the deeper truths to understand why we celebrate these things, why we believe these things. And so for this first week, my question is, why Jesus? That's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, like Christmas is kind of all about Jesus. You may think it's about Santa and presents and all that stuff, but it's about Jesus. This is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So why? Why is that important? And I thought about a bunch of different ways I could talk about this. I was like, well, maybe I go in and I go and I find like a couple passages, few passages, and I string them together and it all points back to Jesus. And then we're all like, yeah, that's awesome. And maybe we throw a joke in there and a fun little story. And it's the you know, same old, same old. That's what we normally do, that sort of thing. Um, that's cool. We could do that. Um, I thought maybe we could just read through one of the Gospels that talks about the birth of Jesus. Maybe that would spell it out plain for us, and we could just do that. That'd be cool, too. I just wasn't sure 
quite how to go about it. Until last week, I was standing up here, and Jason walked us through uh, the third element time we have, where we talked about discipleship. We talked about going and making disciples. And Jason used a very common passage to get us there. Do you guys remember what that was? John 3.16. In fact, he did this. He said, you guys know John 3.16? He said, could we all just say that really quick? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see that? See what everybody just did? Everybody knows it. Everybody knows this passage. This is a verse, I should say. It's not even a passage. It's a verse. This is the most quoted Bible verse. This is the most memorized Bible verse. I remember growing up and watching football games on Sundays and seeing people in the stands holding up signs that simply read John 3.16. When I say that, I don't mean they said, for God so loved the world, that it goes through the whole thing. It didn't say that. It just said, John 3.16, because you know what that means. It is that common. But here's the funny thing about people. When we say something all the time, when we hear something all the time, when we memorize something, when it becomes just something that we say, sometimes we forget why we say it why it's important, what it really means. And so I decided we're going to do something a little weird today. Call it a teaching, if you will. Call it a meditation. I don't know. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read John 3.16 and just John 3.16. And I want to chew on it because that's what the Bible is. The Bible is Hebrew meditation literature. The point is you read it, you sit on it, you chew on it, you think about it. And the longer you sit on it, the longer you chew on it, the more you think about it, the more real it becomes, the more it unveils itself to you. And that should be a practice that we should all be in the habit of doing every time we pick up our Bibles, every day of our lives. And so I want to do that today. I want to start with John 3.16. And so let's start from the top. Four. We're off to a good start. Four. Isn't that a weird way of starting something? We don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. I'm not like, Abby, for I am going to the supermarket. You know, like, I don't do that. I don't think I do that. I hope I don't do that. So let's ditch four for the time being, and let's try something else. Let's try a word we use. Because. Because. Because can substitute the word for. Let's try that. So here we go. Because. The cool thing about the word because is because generally means something else is coming next. Something important is about to happen. If we're having a conversation, I go, because you're sitting there going, what, 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 what's next? Because there's an anticipation. Because God. That's a big deal. Who's that? Who's God? There's lots of gods. There's lots of gods in this world. People worship all sorts of gods. I mean, people worship their PlayStations. People worship whatever, right? Who are we talking about? Are we talking about Allah? Are we talking about the Buddha, right? Are we talking about 
uh, maybe a more abstract idea of God, maybe like Brahman, right? Like the New Age God, where we're all just God, experiencing God's self. Is that what we're kind of talking about here? No. Since we're in church and we're reading from the Bible, let's maybe just stick with the one true God. You may have heard of him. His name is often said as Yahweh. Sometimes you'll hear El Elyon, the God Most High, the God of the gods, the King of the kings, the Lord of lords. He's all-powerful. He is everywhere. He's all-knowing. He is infinitely good, infinitely loving. He's infinitely just. He's infinitely merciful and graceful. Powerful. And he chooses to present himself to us as three persons. Now that gets a little confusing. Wait, how can one God be three persons? Think of it like this. It's one essence. It's of one being. One spirit. One God in nature. One God in substance and who he is. But presented as three people who are one God. And those people are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the God we're talking about today. Because that God so loved the world. Here's where it gets tricky. Here's where the translations start falling apart. See, some translations will say what my knee-jerk reaction is. I read, for God so loved the world. And my first thought is, man, God loves the world so much. And that is correct. That is, that is one way of reading this. You can totally read it that way. And that's fine. It's true. It's biblical. It's accurate. And even this verse itself will back that up. But here's the weird thing. That word so in there, for God so loved the world, that's what makes it a little tricky. Because that so could indicate that this shouldn't read that way. It should read, this is how God loved the world. And so, to just find some common ground, since both of those things are accurate and true and supported by this verse, let's read it like this. Because God loved the world so much, he did this. Is that fair? He gave. He gave. Gave's an interesting word. Does anybody here like to be given stuff? I sure do. Want to know why? Because that means it's free. People give you free things. If you write the word free on something, you have increased the likelihood of giving that away by a thousand percent. Free is awesome. We love free. That means I didn't have to earn it. Nothing I do can give me free. I just have to accept it. It's a gift, right? That's the other cool thing about gifts. Gifts are generally given to me because somebody just loved me. They just wanted to give it to me. They just wanted to, to help me out, to, to help me gain something. And I think that's awesome. We love to be given, right? And that's the cool thing about the word gave. But here's the, the other part about the word gave. Gave implies somebody losing something. You see, the, the last time you received a gift, in fact, any time you've ever received a gift, gift, guess what? Somebody spent money. They spent their time. They spent their energy, they spent their talents, and they lost something so you could have something. And that that's the dual part of this word gave is, yeah, you, you get this gift, you get this awesome thing, you get to gain, you get, you get to earn, you, you get great things out of this. But guess what? 
something was lost, something was sacrificed, something was given. So that makes it very important what was given, what was given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To give up a son? Can you imagine the implications of that? Think about that as a parent. I mean, any of you in here that have kids, can you even comprehend the idea of like losing your kid, giving your kid away freely, willingly, giving them for what purposes? Well, we'll get to that. They're good and not so good. It's good and it's sad. God loved the world so much that he did this. He gave his only begotten son as a sacrifice, as a gift, as a king, as a leader, as somebody to look up to, as an example, but to die on a cross for us. And we'll talk about that a little more. We'll talk about that a little more. First, I want to talk about that word begotten. What does that mean? That could be problematic, you see. Because when I hear the word begotten, what do I think of? I think of something being created, right? If something is, if you beget something, that means you made it, right? The only problem with that is Jesus wasn't made. Jesus wasn't created. And so if that word actually means what I think that word means, this really screws up this whole verse. And in fact, it makes the Bible contradict itself. The other reason it makes the Bible contradict itself is because God doesn't just have one son. God has a lot of sons. God has spiritual sons and physical sons. He made us. He made the angels in heaven. And while some rebel, right? He's still got angels in heaven that are on his side. Those are his spiritual sons. He's got us, physical sons, right? So how can it be an only begotten son? That's why we have to break it down to the Greek. When you look at that word begotten in Greek, it's actually monogenes. Mono. One. Monogenes. It can mean the only child. And that's why it gets translated as such. But here's the other thing that word can mean. The only one of its kind. Unique. Different from all the rest. Special. There's only one like him. And that is the way we have to think about this verse. Because that's Jesus. See, Jesus isn't just any son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Remember earlier when I said God is a trinity, that he's father, son, and Holy Spirit? Jesus is that son. Big twist. Jesus isn't just the son of God. Jesus is God. The son that he's sending is God. God is giving up himself. That's huge. Because God loved the world so much, he did this. He sent his only unique son. His son that was God himself. Why? That whosoever believes... This is the part Jason really, really landed on last week. He said, whosoever. You know what whosoever means? That means everybody. 
That's everybody. That's not just you. That's not just me. That's every single person in this world. That's your family members that you love, and that's the person down the street that you can't stand. It's everybody. Remember when we started with, for God so loved the world, that whosoever, that's the world, guys. That's everybody. This is open invitation. God wants everybody to believe. So what does that word believe mean? Well, it could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean head knowledge. I, I Yeah, sure, there's a God. Yeah, I believe that. Here's the thing. The Bible tells us that's not good enough. The Bible tells us that the demons in hell believe in God, but they're damned. They're done. They're not saved, and they believe. So what is belief then? Think about it like this. I know I've got at least one in here. There he is. Uh, well, I'll come to you if nobody else has. But uh, has anybody in here ever jumped out of an airplane? Yeah? Okay. Folks that have jumped out of airplanes, did you believe in your parachute? That's right, you did. <laughs> Because if you didn't, you weren't jumping out of an airplane or you had no business jumping out of an airplane because you believed that when you jumped out of that airplane, if I pull this plug, this thing is going to release and it is going to get me to the ground safely. Because if you don't believe that, you're not getting in the plane in the first place. When I get in a car, I put on my seatbelt. And I drive, and I know that if I tap my brakes, I'll slow down. And if I hit the gas, I'll speed up. And if I'm in an accident, the seatbelt will, it should help me, should save me. My airbags will deploy, should deploy, and save me. I trust those things. When I wake up in the morning, I can go like this, and I don't float off into the sky because I believe in gravity, right? You see what I'm saying? I know it. My actions then therefore support it because I truly do know this. I believe this and it affects what I do because I believe it. That is belief. It's trust. It's putting your faith in the Son of God. Because God loved the world so much, He did this. He gave as a sacrifice, as a payment for the crimes that we had committed against God. Like I said, we'll get there. He gave him as a leader, as a king, as a lord, as a friend, as a brother, as someone to look up to, as someone to follow. He gave his only unique son, the son that is God, that anybody in all of the world ever can just put their faith, their trust, their belief in Him. If they do that, guess what? They shall not perish. We live in a world that's perishing. We live in a world where everything dies. I'll die. You'll die. Every person you love will die. Everyone you hate will die. Metal rusts, wood, rots, fabric rips and tears and decays, empires rise and fall. I bet Rome didn't think it was going anywhere. Where is it now? Everything goes eventually. Everything will 
fall back into the grave. We came from dust. To dust we're going to return. Everything is perishing. But did you know it wasn't always like that? See, God made a perfect world. He made a, I don't want to say perfect. He made a good world. That's the word he uses. A good world. There was no death. There was no destruction. There was no pain. There was no suffering. It was good. Everything was as it should be. And then we turned away from him. We cut the cord. We disconnected ourselves from the source of life. And that gives us death. And in doing so, in making ourselves God, rather than following the one true God, anytime we follow ourselves, that's called sin. That brought in death and pain and suffering into the world. And it also meant that we committed a capital offense against God. We committed a crime. And that crime's punishment is death. Because the punishment for sin, the wage for sin, your payment for sin, is death. And so when we talk about God sending His one unique Son, the Son that is God, when He gives Him to us, that payment that's made, that's the payment you and me owed. That's the death sentence we deserved. And He took it upon Himself. He became sin. He became death on our parts so we didn't have to. And you may be thinking, well, wait, we still die. Yeah, we do. Even those that believe die. So perish can't mean what you think it means. You know what perish means? It comes from a Greek word, apollumi. You ever heard of Apollo, the Greek god Apollo? Apollo is the god of destruction. Apollumi means to be destroyed. And Jesus is saying, if you believe in him, you'll die, but you won't be destroyed. Then the death is not final. Death is not an end. Death is a transition. God loves the world so much. He loved the world so much that he did this. He gave his one unique son that is God. He gave him as a king, as a Lord, as a sacrifice, as a payment for our sins, and as an example of what we should be. That if we just believe in him, if we just put our faith in him, if we just trust in him, if we trust him like I trust a parachute jumping out of an airplane, if I trust him like I trust my seatbelt when I get in my car, if I believe in him that he did what he did and that that's enough, if I believe that will save me, then I can be saved. And then I will not perish. I will die. I will go to the grave at the end of my life. But it is simply a transition. It is a small sleep. Because on the other side of that, I shall not perish. But we shall have eternal life. That is life without end. That is eternity with God. That is coming back to the God that made each and every one of us. And being with him for all of time, forever. And ever, and ever, and ever. And we can't even process that because it's so beyond us. Everything is so finite here. But he's giving you forever. And he's doing it even though we don't deserve anything, anything from him. That's John 3.16. Remember when I said, I hope you leave here knowing something. I hope you leave here feeling something. But if you walk out of here and you know something today and you, you feel something today and you do nothing with it, it's worthless. It's worthless. 
I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what do we do with this? Shocker, it's going to be the same thing we say every week. But I want you to think about it. I want you to think about why this matters. I want you to recognize the fact that you are a sinner. All right? I know me. I've been me for a long time. Gotten pretty good at it. I've seen the rough parts of being me. I've seen a lot of the good parts of being me. And that's super awesome. Love that. It's great. Good times. But I've also seen the parts of me that are unlovable. That are disgusting. Parts of me that are just between me and God because I'm just not great. And the thing is, every single one of you has that. Tucked away somewhere. We all do. What I want you to walk away knowing today is this. That God loves you. He loves you so much that he set aside that whole being glorified thing for a little while. He set it over here to the side and he stepped down into human flesh and he became like you. He experienced all the pain that you have experienced in this life. He experienced what it's like stubbing your toe. He experienced what it's like to be betrayed by friends. He experienced what it's like to taste death itself. He has tasted the worst of life. But you know what else? He's also seen the great parts of humanity. He's seen what it's like to be a friend and to have a friend and to have family, to have brothers and sisters and a mother and a father and to be loved and to love and to experience this weird, chaotic world alongside other people. He did all that because he wanted to level with you and me. He wanted to be a little more like us so we could understand that we could trust him. That he would set aside his godliness, his, his godhood in a way, right? He never stopped being God, but he set aside his glory to be human. That even though you and me are so messed up on the inside in so many ways and so unlovable in so many ways, and even though he had no business loving us, he came, became one of us, and died for us so we didn't have to. And here's my point where I turn this thing into a whole disciple-making thing is this. God did that for you. Okay? He had no business doing it. He didn't need to. There's no explanation as to why he would. So then the next time somebody makes you mad, or the next time you can't stand somebody, or the next time somebody is downright unlovable, the next time somebody gives you no reason to love them, remember you didn't give God a reason to love you. And he did. And that maybe we just don't need a reason to love people. Maybe we just should. Because God loved the world so much that he did this. He gave his only unique son. His son that was unlike all the other sons. The son that was God. And he gave them. He gave him that he would come and die for us. But that he would be raised a king. That he would be an example that he would be the solution to our problem. And that problem was death. But if we just believe in him, if we put our trust in him, our faith in him, then we don't have to perish. We don't have to be destroyed. Death is just this insignificant moment that leads to an eternity of everlasting life with our God. When that becomes real in here, the application outside of you will match it. This is why we have to meditate on these things. 
This is why we have to break down the Bible into maybe just a verse at a time from time to time. And to just think, why? What does this mean? What's the deeper truth here and how does this affect me? I hope that remembering what this passage means, this verse means, can humble our hearts and our minds going through the rest of this Christmas season. I hope that this is a decent primer to see that we are all sitting at the same level here, folks. Not one of us is deserving of the grace of God, and yet he gives it freely to all who come to him. Let that carry you through this Christmas season. Let that be our heartbeat. Let that be our purpose. And let that be the thing that reminds us who our God is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you would come and die for undeserving sinners solely because you love us. Not because we gave you a single reason to, but just because you chose to. And Lord, through your Holy Spirit, give us that same heartbeat, give us that same motivation, give us that same ability to love the people around us even when it's impossible, Lord. Even when there's no reason. And let us humble ourselves and see that we are not all that we think we're cracked up to be all the time. A lot of the time we are messed up. But help that to motivate us to love the people around us. Thank you also for showing us the good in people and that we can be that as well. We ask that you would be that in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.